So welcome back to the Fleet Navigator podcast, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. And this one's for you, our drivers. So this is an EV specialist podcast for us. Um, And this is really helping you as a driver population understand electric vehicles, understanding how and why you should make the switch towards them, and hopefully do some myth-busting for you. And whether that's part of a transition that your company is making and part of their fleet policy, or whether you're looking at this from an individual deal and still might have concerns about how do I charge and what does it look like and battery length, etc., we'll go through some of the topics that you need to think about and try and help you on your journey. So one word, one thing that we're not going to do on this podcast, if you're expecting um, Caroline and I, who joins me once again, to start waxing lyrical about uh, EVs, makes and models, we will be here all day. And you guys may either be very excited about that or get bored very quickly, but we could fill an entire afternoon's podcast with talking about all of the exciting electric vehicles that are on the horizon. But we will be talking you through things like reimbursement, uh, cable considerations, batteries, range anxiety, those kind of things that when you're looking at ordering a vehicle and you're thinking about your EV being delivered to you on day one, actually, what do I do and what does that feel like? I think it's a really exciting time for drivers because it it is here, it it is now. And whilst there have been concerns around range, that's probably been replaced by concerns around charging. It's fair to say that most drivers can switch and switch soon, weeks to months, not months to years. Absolutely. Um, So I think the cars are very cool particularly when you're when you're looking at some of the new entrants into the marketplace so Corsa E I saw the advert for that last night so that'll that'll shortly be on sale or certainly available for pre-order so that looks great that's coming with a range of about 200 miles and you know there are many many more makes and brands that are coming out pricing now is getting more mainstream 26,000 pounds for an ID3 which is Volkswagen's new new kind of golf styled product on their ID platform you know that's still quite an expensive vehicle but again you know fleets have got used to this concept over the years of whole life costs so looking at all of the different costs associated with a vehicle over term and drivers you need to do the same so you need to do your own math and we can help you do that with some of the tools that we've got available for you so when it's costing you you know maybe four pence at at most per mile to drive your vehicle once you're home charging when you stack that up about your your fuel cost depending on the miles that you do it's hugely beneficial right from the word go And I think what drivers are starting to also appreciate, and we've learnt this from those that have been in an EV for more than a year or two, is their driving profile starts to change. And some people have changed their family circumstances, so they might have already had a a family vehicle that they might use that might have done the school run, or they might switch that round. So all of their short journeys are now on EV, and they have a spare car for the big family holiday when they drive down to Cornwall and back but actually even if you look at the EV product that's becoming available now ranges of 250 plus we are on the cusp of having a car that can do absolutely everything for you. You're absolutely right. So, and and as I say, Corsair advert came on last night, and my first thought at its new range was that's 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 a bit low, and and how quickly we change our opinions when you have a mainstream car coming in at 250 miles. You know, most of the cars that are lining up over the course of the next 18 months are 300 miles plus in their standard configurations. And to put that in context, so so me as a as a driver, 
a number of my journeys are motorway based so i spend uh, quite a bit of my time in slough even though you know i'm a home worker but I, I i go to slough on a fairly regular basis so that's a 180 mile round trip but my vehicle will be able to do that uh, on a single charge from home maybe a top up in the office and uh, depending on time of year so let's get to the into the nitty-gritty of the first of the kind of big topics about well is the range really the range we are seeing Tesla 3s at the moment um, not performing very well on their ranges out there. So part of the thinking is, okay, so what does winter look like when I'm using my heating? What does summer look like when I'm using my air conditioning? Am I really going to get 250 miles out of my car? Well, the short answer is no, you're not. But nor is it going to reduce your vehicle range by 50%, which is some of the horror stories that we're seeing in the press at the moment. And again, it's part of this myth busting is is learning from real life, from people's real experiences, but also um, part of our responsibility is to help drivers to understand how they can maximise their range and and what it means on a on a real life journey. Mm. And on the on the heating one specifically, because this, this it's a it's a hot topic. Forgive the pun at the moment and. One of the things with EVs, because they they are this cool product with all the whistles and bells that you can expect, you know, the app that you get on your phone, you are able to chart, you are able to heat your car, for example, when it's still plugged in. So on those cold winter mornings, you're able to tell your car what time you want to leave and it will use your mains electricity as a supplement. So you're still getting into a warm but fully charged car and Again, similar to kind of battery charging times in in the length of time it takes you to to, to take something from very, very cold to warm takes a lot more energy than it does then to keep it warm. So you can then keep the vehicle warm and you're not losing anywhere near the amount of power. But you're still only, even if you were to do it, you're probably talking about a 25% energy loss if you use the heating all the time, all of your journeys from start to finish. So it's, it's a consideration. But it certainly doesn't reduce you into kind of 40 or 50 mile single stint journeys. It's certainly one of the things that people have raised as areas of concern of, you know, realistically what's going to happen and and how do I charge when I'm out and about and what does that mean? And aren't all the charge points, either they don't work for my car or how do I book in? What if they're always full? What if that space has been taken up by somebody in a diesel or a petrol car and I, I get stuck and I run out? Or someone in a pesky hybrid. Or somebody in a pesky hybrid, mentioning no names. <laughs> I think that whole experience of, of when you're out and about, um, and certainly the EV drivers that we speak to, um, again, it's that behavioural change that you start to become more planned, more organised when you know you're going on a long trip to somewhere that might be unfamiliar, um, is that you make sure you understand at what point you might be getting close to needing to charge and what your charging opportunities are are there. And if you look at the technology that's available for drivers to support that in terms of apps and, and other bits of tech that will help you to understand when you are going to get low and, and where you're able to charge. So it's it becomes less and less effort for you to have to work that out on your own. You will have devices and apps and, and other bits of tech that will say, you know, you th- we think you're X away. Why don't you look at these charge points, see if one of them's suitable? The time will come where you'll be able to see if it's likely to be available at the point at which you get to that location. You know, that level of sophistication is is partially there, but it's only going to grow as, as the number of vehicles grow as well. 
and and that information will become more reliable so through the likes of of zapmap and others and most of the uh, mainstream uh, public access charge point manufacturers or installers have got their own apps so the polar plus for for bp charge master for example um, that will tell you if it's if it's operable and um, that relies on the forecourt or wherever the charge point is installed for them to tell the public access network when it's been taken down for maintenance or if it's available or not. But that is getting more and more reliable information now. And indeed, those apps will very soon allow you to book those public access charge points as well when you get there with a fines feature, if you will, if you don't turn up for your appointment, similar to if you were to turn up at your drivers. But actually, what what's interesting about the whole charging thinking as well so you talk about the organization and that people have this concept that they think that they're going to fill their car up so they're going to charge it to full with energy and they look at a charging time of x number of hours and actually again it's a behavioral shift that says i can if you're ever sad enough to watch your phone charge it's the last 20 percent that takes the biggest amount of time and batteries are batteries in cars are no different so you can charge to 50 percent in a very short space of time and then it kind of peters off for the remaining 50%. But so long as you are planning your journeys and you're using the energy that's out there and the infrastructure that's out there to top you up to to continue your journey to your point of origin or home or or your final destination, then it works very well. Because of course, we all stop every two hours for a cup of coffee anyway, according to the working time directive, don't we? So why not stop for 15 minutes and pop some juice in the car? And again, it's it's a simple behavioural shift. It's a it's a small adaptation. And I've certainly heard from drivers of, but you know, I, I I can't really be bothered to have to plug it in every night. And what if it's raining? Blah blah blah. And I think, well, yeah, but how often are you stood in a cold, wet, windy petrol station, having to go into the shop, having to queue behind somebody else that's got a basket full? Of, you know, it's and everything's always relative. But that whole experience of needing to plug in and charge is certainly no much more difficult than having to go to a, a petrol, dirty petrol station and get diesel on your feet. <laughs> I was about to say, on my hands. But <laughs> on, your, on your hands, which is, which is even worse. You. It's horrible. The caustic, terribly caustic. But. So you, you, let's talk about home charging. So, you know, the home charging experience. I have a home charge point. Admittedly, at the moment, I'm I'm on a step stone, so I'm I'm in a hybrid for for the time being until I move to full EV towards the end of the year. You know, and as part of our pilot, I've had a charge point installed. So I, you know, that that whole experience of having that installation was really quite painless. That the the paperwork was. A bit of an angst to go through the grant, um, but that was because we were applying for it as a leasing company. That process is, you know, is absolutely sorted, and it was painless. The engineer was great. Um, turned up when he was supposed to, um, a week before the vehicle was delivered. Um, again, you know, timing it so that when your vehicle is delivered, you've got some way to charge. Particularly for a pure EV, is important. Making sure it's got the right cable. All EVs come with a public access charging cable now, um, which is the Type 2 connector, which is the same as the home charge. So you can immediately charge your vehicle at home. And even if there's some installation issue, you're always provided with a three pin transformer based charger, which whilst slower will be able to trickle charge your vehicle. And the charge points very, is it couldn't be easier. I mean, I know it, it might sound silly, but it literally is like plugging in a kettle. It's a bigger lead and it's a bigger socket, but that's it. The light goes green, the car goes green and it's charging. 
and you can check it on the app in terms of how much charge is in it. You know, the apps that come with the charge point will alert you if there's an issue. Um, so you can have confidence that over the course of, of the night time and your charging session, your car will be charged. And if you're using one of the greener energy partners, so Octopus Energy, for example, um, and you're using a charge, a smart charger, which all of the ones that we certainly that recommend and install are, then you can actually set it up so it will charge at the cheaper tariff times and you'll get a reduction in your tariff if you have an EV with a charge point and you take one of their special EV tariffs. They actually bring your electric bill down, which is fantastic. And let's be honest, again, one of the mythbusters that I, I, I hear people talk about the expense of charging their EVs. Genuinely, it costs, you know, if we think about revenue, is, a, is an approved energy rate of four pence a mile. That's there or thereabouts. That is not very much money at all when you think about it. And we have seen recent reports in terms of the variability of charging costs when you're out and about, which, you know, is no surprise. And it's probably no different to charging your local supermarket versus filling up at a motorway services or any kind of servicing outlet. That's probably going to settle down over time, one would hope. But certainly that's one thing to, to make sure that you are paying attention to, that you are aware of when you're out and about, um, is be selective about in the short term about where you charge so you're not exposing yourself to any additional costs or certainly not more than, than you need to at that point in time. But again, those apps that are available to you, they will tell you what the tariff is before you get there. So when you're when you're making your selection, you can work out, do I need to trickle charge? Do I need to stop for 15 minutes? Do I need to stop for a bit longer? Could I could I actually stop for some lunch on my way or where am I going and what is my behaviour? What's the kilowatt charging capability of the charger? Is it a rapid charger? Is it, you know, what? And it sounds complicated and it's not because the very, the, you know, there's very basic maths around how many kilowatts does a, does, a, does a charge point deliver? How many hours does it take to charge? And again, it's that concept that the first 50%, even to 75% of your charge is actually a lot quicker than you think it is. And it's the last bit to top it up that, that's, the, that's the difficulty. But you're right to, to, to highlight the difference in expenses because at the moment there is no legislation for it um, there's legislation for employers and companies overcharging their employees so that is a no-no they're not allowed to do it they're not allowed to to make money out of you mr driver but when you're out and about at the moment there is no legislation for a price per kilowatt hour that's undoubtedly coming when you have a government that is now talking about a 3.3 billion pound infrastructure pot that investment won't just be spent on a hundred thousand charging points that investment will be spent on all of the wraparound when you think that we are moving to an environment that the smart money says that this new 2032 date will kind of just become the the date that they're operating to that's only 12 years away and that's what two and a bit replacement cycles for for most fleets so it is on the doorstep absolutely so for you the driver your if if it's not your next car and depending on um, whether you're doing it for yourself and depending on who you work for we know from from our perspective from lease plan we will be in electric vehicles by next year for our internal fleet and um, you know we are working with a number of your employers now and 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 you know clients of ours that want to make the move and want to make the move quickly 
And it's why really that, you know, these, these, this series of driver centric podcasts that we're going to put together and, and are creating for you at the moment is to just allay some of those fears because it's a very, very exciting prospect. It's a, it's a very different experience. It's a very different drive. And I've got to be honest with you, it makes you feel great. You get in, you get in an electric vehicle. It's quiet. It's efficient. It just feels, it just feels great. The technology is very up to date and very modern. And of course, you're doing your bit for the planet because you're generating no carbon emissions. And it's been interesting hearing back from drivers and from fleets around the impact on driver behaviour of driving an EV product versus a petrol or a diesel is distinctly different. So we're starting to see reports of fewer collisions, um, the impact on people's mental health in terms of their stress levels, their fatigue levels are, in, are not as bad. There are other softer benefits that weren't necessarily understood or forecasted that now that people are driving those vehicles, they're starting to f- feel better. <laughs> which is phenomenal you think okay that's not necessarily what we what we expected but but are definitely um a lot of people that i'm speaking to say they are a lot more relaxed when they drive and they don't feel the impact of of what's going on that's amazing i hadn't i hadn't come across that research but that is great so we've thought about home charging we've talked and, and cables might seem a very boring subject but there's a there's a plethora out there where you look at Minekes and you know is it CC CCA or is it type 2 or what is it and I think you, f- you threw in a whole load of car related acronyms yeah, and the jargon thing there. Is, I don't know what any of them mean <laughs> and nor do you need to because it's very dull so for you the driver I think the, the key bit for you and we've done the research and we've got you know very big good relationships with the big manufacturers and what we can say is that every electric vehicle now that i will say electric vehicle that's not hybrid but any ev will come with a type 2 cable which will allow you access to the public access charging network from day one and it will allow you to plug into a home charger 7.2 kilowatt 11 kilowatt home charger check you know you will need to think about the charging networks so there are a variety of them out there so for example bp charge master operate a subscription service called polar plus it's optional you don't have to use it um, but it's well worthwhile it's a good price point and it makes your charging free Podpoint, who you will see at some Tesco and Sainsbury's car parks have a slightly different commercial model so they will allow you to plug in and trickle but then you subscribe and then you get a whole load of adverts for the store that you're turning up at and you'll get access to the bigger charging. And more and more organisations are uh, entering into the market space. The good news in the UK is whilst it hasn't been legislated for in terms of it being an open market and you being able to charge anywhere, what the UK did very sensibly was to mandate that all charge points installed from last October must also be able to take contactless payment. So any new charge point you go to and there is a replacement cycle for the existing ones as well just to make sure that you you, if you do turn up and for example your phone is out of charge and you're not able to activate a charging session perish the thought um, you can at least use your contactless card to pay and get a charging session so again that's a little known fact from that charging network i think the, the the challenge that you face as drivers and indeed you know we face as drivers as well is just that additional bit of planning that you need to do but again what we've learned from drivers is that 
that behavioural change happens really quickly and becomes second nature really quickly. Um, just the same as the way that you interact with a fuel station at the moment, you don't necessarily think about it. You know that you're going to need to put some more petrol or diesel in at some point within that you know next period of time and you just do, about, do it without thinking about it. Um, it will become the same. And again, as we said, technology is only going to improve and increase and it will be prompting you and saying, right, you need to think about planning your next charge. Um, and it will be something that you, that you very rarely think about. And if worse comes to the worse and you do run out of charge, so when EVs first hit the market a few years ago, it's true to say that you would have been put on a flat on a, on a low loader and you would have been taken somewhere for your vehicle to be able to charge. Case in point, you can't tow electric vehicles or you certainly can't at the moment. It tends to ruin the motors because um, there's no gears in them. There's no clutch they don't like being towed but now the aa the rac green flag and the other providers out there their their trucks do have charging capability so they have a rapid charge capability that can get you moving again just as they can if you run out of fuel in a conventional engine i've heard rumors and conjecture that they will charge you if you have if it happens you know second time third time but actually there's nothing official that, that they'll do that any more than they will if on a refuel so again the support infrastructure that's going behind these vehicles is also improving when you know your nice your nice orange wagon or your nice yellow wagon will turn up give you a charge and and, and get you on your way fairly quickly plus on that point the vehicles are far far less likely to break down in fact it's almost unheard of because there's no moving parts you know everything is frictionless you have you literally have four wheels a, bat a battery and a stop and a go pedal and on that basis what it means is your vehicle is unlikely to go into a garage it's unlikely to break down on the motorway it's not going to overheat they're far far more reliable in in terms of a product and that impact on on maintenance and maintenance events and the sorts of things that you have to book in on get replaced because they they wear out that becomes a lot easier because those parts don't exist so they can't wear out so your time spent in the garage as well should reduce versus what you might currently experience particularly if you're um, doing higher miles or regular long trips tires as well i mean is it's still early days in terms of getting a really healthy run rate um, but certainly we're we're seeing differences in terms of tyre use, probably less. Um, and obviously the, the servicing and maintenance events simply don't happen. Yeah. And, and again, that's these things take time for that data to be produced. And as you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a leasing provider with, you know, circa 185, 190,000 vehicles on fleet, it takes time for those vehicles to go through that renewal cycle and for that data to be collated. The leasing industry got fairly well roundly criticised for fairly, you know, low residual values. So that's the cost of the vehicle that we will, that the money that we expect to spend. Uh, sell the vehicle for at the end which in turn is passed on in the gap and the pricing to to you guys to customers and to to private drivers but that has come down and i think the likes of tesla 3 id3 and polestar 2 when it comes out later in the year those prices will continue to to decrease simply because the residual values the price at market will increase as the vehicles become more the norm and people are confident in them and again, part of that was the, the rumour and conjecture of, and, and all of the noise that was being stoked around warranty on batteries. So when I buy a secondhand vehicle, will the warranty still cover the battery? Is there still enough miles and juice in it? And again, the industry has had to 
uh, mature pretty fast on that. So when you buy a second-hand EV now, you will be able to get a report on what the batteries are like, how has it been charged, what is the battery quality in effect that's been left, that's left after kind of three, four years, what does that look like? But again, we're typically only seeing degradation of no more than 10 to 15% by the time a battery comes back for second hand. So it's got a huge amount of years left in, in the product when you go and get that at second hand. So that's just a, a selection of the topic. So the, the idea is to give you some comfort, um, to give you some support on those areas, which I hope that Caroline and, and I have done today. But look out on this feed. So we are going to do um, a number of these, looking in depth a bit more at some of these areas, particularly the exciting one for me, but then I'm a bit of a car nut, is actually looking at the EV market and what's coming and what you can get for your money over the course of the next 12 months. So for now, for you drivers, thank you for listening. Um, stay tuned to the Fleet Navigator podcast and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Matt.